0: Tech Sounds presents The Conscious Capitalists. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest episode of The Conscious Capitalists with myself, Timothy Henry, and my partner in making the world a better place for business, Raj Desodia. Hey, Raj. Hey, Timothy. Great to be with you again. Good to see you again. And we're going um, in a different direction today in terms of the international element. Today, we're going to be talking with Juan Muldoon, who's the chief people officer of Bimbo Grupo. Uh, He's a 30 year veteran of the consumer products industry with relevant business experience in both the Hispanic market, the U.S. market and Central and South America. More broadly, he's the chief people officer at Grupo Bimbo, member of the steering committee He is passionate about developing business culture and the people inside the business. And we'll hear a lot more about Bimbo and its famous culture. He holds a bachelor degree in business administration from Ibero Americana University, and he has a certification in finance from SMU in Dallas. Juan, welcome to our program.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Tim. And Rash,
0: happy to be with you.
2: Yes, Juan, welcome. And uh, you know, one of the uh, joys of our work in Conscious Capitalism, as well as our podcast, is we get to meet new companies that are not as well-known, perhaps, so we didn't know enough about them before. And I believe that Grupo Bimbo is one of the really special companies in the world that uh, a lot of people don't maybe know uh, about. And um, so that's part of what we would like to start with, is to just tell the story of this company which has been recognized in the list of the world's most ethical companies. I believe four years consecutively, the only Mexican company to achieve that and probably is one of the most admired companies in Mexico and certainly in uh, beyond Mexico as well. So let's uh, let's start there. And it is by the way, one of the, uh, I believe 12 or 14 companies that are featured in this new book, uh, The Journey to Conscious Capitalism. Uh, which is coming out now published by Tecnológico de Monterey, highlighting some of the really conscious Mexican companies. So let's start on uh, by telling a little bit of the story. We know the company was started in 1945, uh, there were four or five founders at the time. But if you could take us back to the beginnings of what made this company come together in the way that it did, and what were some of the foundational values that drove it?
1: Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, uh, Raj, to and Tim, to, to share with you the story and the insights of, of our company. Our company is indeed uh, very, very special. It's a, a place that has had grown, has grown tremendously over the past 76 years, 77 almost. Uh, it started in 1945, as you said, in Mexico City as a bakery that wanted to sell um, sliced bread, packaged sliced bread. was was an emerging category back then. And uh, it was a, it was an insurgent. It was a challenger to the industry, but it overcame. Um, it, it quickly became a favorite because it had a superior product, superior service, a passion for service to the to the to the trade. Um, very innovative for its day. It had a brand that was very memorable. By the way, the name Bimbo, which we pronounce it Bimbo, uh, is not a bad word. It's a, it's a good word. It means. Uh, it's synonym for quality and for freshness and for uh, wonderful products, big, big products. Uh, so from very humble beginnings back then, we've grown to be the largest company in the bakery uh, industry in the world. Uh, we, we have a presence in 33 countries. We have, oh gosh, over, uh, I don't know, thousands of brands and th- thousands of different SKUs and products. We have more than 200 bakeries. Around the world, uh, roughly 135,000 associates work for Grupo Bimbo today, and and like I said, it's been a, it's been a journey. It's been a, a, a journey of growth uh, through basically the tenets and the values that the founders had back then, which uh, still are alive in the company. And and they are the the founder of the company. The the the, the main founder of the company was Mr. Lorenzo Servitje. He was the son of immigrants from Spain, uh, and he was his family was in the baking business, and he was joined by his uncle Jaime Sendra, and a, a, another friend of his, close friend of his, Mr. Jaime Mata, uh, his brother-in-law Jaime jorva and finally his younger brother Don Roberto Servitje, and they joined forces with a, a baking, uh, an expert in baking at the time, Mr. Alfonso Velasco. And then they came up with this idea to start the bakery to, to do what, what the incumbents of the time were not doing very well. And that was just to, to provide superior quality and superior service to the to the market back then. Um, I guess if you were to ask me what were the main reasons why the company succeeded and kept growing and has grown steadily since then, is perhaps, perhaps first and foremost, uh, it's its culture. We have a culture that I will, I can be happy to, to talk about in, in more detail about it. Um, but even before that, I guess it was that uniqueness of being a challenger with superior product, superior product and superior service. The second main thing is uh, branding. The, the company believed in connecting with the consumers in an emotional way. So it was, back then, it was not the norm to use Advertising as as uh, as strongly as as it is now. I mean, today we take advertising for granted, but back then the whole naming of the brand and the concept and the design of the packaging and everything was quite innovative, and and it quickly gained the preference of the of the consumers back then. A passion for growth and, and relentless pursuit of more. So we we were a company that really set out uh, very ambitious goals to. To reach everywhere, to reach every home in Mexico—that was the original vision uh, the, in the charter of the foundation of the company. Don Roberto wrote, Don Lorenzo wrote, uh, to make a superior product, to make it well, so that we can nourish the light and serve every home in Mexico. And that was the charter of the foundation of the company, with a very strong commitment to to delivering on that mission. Um, another another key. Uh, strength that the company had from this from its inception was it was very driven to being very frugal, very efficient, very productive, and to reinvest. You see, the, the, the company, Don Lorenzo, the founder, always thought that he wanted to have, he used to, the word empresa, which is literally enterprise. He was an entrepreneur. He wasn't just a person wanting to make money. He wanted to build an enterprise. He wanted to build something that was good for the people that worked in the company, good for the market, good for the community, from from the foundation of the company. And, And that's perhaps what drove him to be always very conscious about productivity, but not for the gain of profit per se, but rather for the health of the business. So he believed, and we still do, that profits are not the end, profits are the means. You need profit so that the company can do the things it wants to do. And what is it it wants to do? It wants to grow. It wants to become a healthy institution. It wants to innovate. It wants to serve mankind. Um, Don Lorenzo's philosophy about, about the role of an enterprise, he he used to say, and, and I'm probably going to, I'm, I'm gonna to try to quote, it, quote him verbatim, but he said, a company, most people accept enterprises or companies as the combination of capital and labor in the pursuit of profits. But the way that he saw it was a much more ambitious or a much much broader goal. He said, an enterprise is a human invention that should serve people. And and he thought of people as the, the, the constituents of a company where... Of course, it's investors because they were putting at risk their own their own money and their own capital, their own savings. But together with the investors, the people who contribute their work, their creativity, their energy, and the consumers we serve. But in our business, we don't serve the consumers directly. We have to serve them through the retailers. So that's another group of people. Then we have vendors that we have to also build relationships with. And at the end of the day, we also we even we even look at society and the community at large as the beneficiaries of, of the company's success, and that's probably. And I'm probably I'm jumping all over the place, but that's in a nutshell. I think that that combination of superior quality, focus on branding, ambition to grow, frugality, and and the drive to reinvest into the business, and the consciousness about the role of the enterprise as being not only uh, a place to produce a profit, but rather uh, an entity that should grow on its own and be a healthy enterprise. That was from the beginning of the company. Uh, I guess that's the origin of our story. And I see mm. a question coming.
2: Yeah, so it's really interesting. You know, Some companies start out as just a business and then over time, they bring in some of these higher values and aspirations. It seems like in the case of uh, Bimbo, that those were present. Uh, in the in the founder from the beginning as a philosophy of life in a way and of business. I know on your website the philosophy is stated as build a sustainable, highly productive, and deeply humane company. And I love the combination of those two, those indeed. three, indeed, all of them.
1: Uh, yeah, indeed, and and that is what that is what drives most of us to come to work uh, with such passion every day. Because it's a it's a very challenging philosophy to live to to, to really make that philosophy come to life. It's all, it's impossible to ever say that we've already achieved it. There's there's no way. Uh, Don Lorenzo used to refer to these situations as sometimes you have what he used to call convergent problems or divergent problems. Mm-hmm. And in convergent problems, you have one solution that's the right solution, and that's science right and there's a one answer to every mathematical equation and there's one answer there's one right answer and and in society and in mankind and in the existence of the human person it's we always find ourselves choosing and, and having multiple alternatives and and sometimes leaders in, in 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 business need to make choices that are always going to mean some form of compromise you we cannot be as be as wholly, holy, wholly sustainable as we would like to, because that would probably be uneconomical and would not be help us be productive. We can't be as productive as we would want to just for the sake of profits, because then probably we would not be able to pay good wages or to or to care for the environment or to other to do other things we want to do. And we cannot be as oh wholly humane as we would like to be because. Again, we have a business purpose to 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 continue to drive profitability and to be sustainable. So it is always very challenging. And, and in, the, in the convergence of the three priorities, the three, let's call them pillars of our philosophy, that's where the culture of Grupo Bimbo really comes mm-hmm. to life. And I don't want to forget the first word. The first word of our philosophy is to build. And I guess that is one of those things that that differentiates our company from others is that we are we're builders. We we look at Bimbo as a work in progress. We look at Bimbo as something that is always it's always a startup. We we actually like to think of ourselves as a 77 year old startup because that's really what makes uh, keeps us looking for looking at the world as a blue ocean as as, a, as an ocean of opportunities. Uh, I'll give you an interesting a, a fun fact. We we are we are certainly the largest baking company in the world. And 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 we're, you know, we are present in 33 countries, which sounds impressive coming just from Mexico, but but I guess the the, the opportunity there is that well, there's there's so many more, right? Mm-hmm. And even though we are the largest, we represent a very small portion of the baked goods industry in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't think we are even close to five percent, whereas in most other industries of consumer goods you'll find uh the big companies concentrate at least 50 or 30 or 40 or 50% of the of the global marketplace um look at the beer industry look at the consumer goods industries in like uh, the, the in the categories of healthcare personal care and in our in, in our case it's a very fragmented industry worldwide and and we have been able to to integrate a company with presence in many 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 countries um because what we what binds or what the, the, the binding or the what makes us stick together is the culture, and the culture of the company is grounded on the philosophy that I just tried to describe. Um, it, it is we found it to be quite universal, uh, even though it was the idea of this you know Mexican son of, son of immigrants in the in the uh, middle of, in the uh, middle of the 20th century, it has traveled well. It has been uh, very well accepted in, in every place we are working. I,
0: I love your discussion about how the values have traveled. So say a little bit about the global expansion, because it yes. is quite impressive for a Mexican company to go global in the way you have 33 countries, largest uh, producer in the bakery industry in the world. Um so say a little bit about that international journey and how well that culture has traveled yes. to Asia, to other parts of Europe, to America. Yes. Um, say a little yes. bit about that. I'm happy, happy to share that.
1: Um, so like I said, the country uh, excuse me, the, the company was founded in Mexico and it grew into the dominant position in Mexico for its first, you know, 40 years or so. So in the mid '80s, if you remember back then, in the in the mid '80s, early '80s, the, the world was very local. The, 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 we didn't have the trade that we have today. In fact, many, perhaps most of the younger audience, don't even doesn't even remember the term GATT, Global Agreement on Tariffs and Trade, which was a precursor of of the globalization that we are that we live today. And so Mexico was a very closed economy. And in the mid 80s, we were struggling because there were certain issues that had to do with currency control exchanges and so forth. And, and uh, the, the chairman of the, of the board, and well, excuse me, the CEO of the time, who was on Roberto Servitje, saw that it was necessary for Grupo Vinto to start exporting so that we could have access to currencies that we could then use to acquire capital for our bakeries. And so he was very passionate about wanting to expand internationally. And we attempted several things. We we started a, a company to export uh, preserves, fruit preserves, because we thought that was going to sell well in the US. And even though it wasn't our core business, we got into that. That didn't live a long life. But when we really started in earnest to, to expand internationally, was with the attempts to export our products. So our baked products, we tried to develop customers' north of the border, to try to sell them our, our snack cakes and our and our pastries and our cookies. In fact, I had the privilege of being the first export manager of Grupo Bingo back in 1984. So I I was there when the first the trailer crossed the border in Laredo um, back in 1984. And it has been uh, a growth ever since. We made many mistakes. We, we thought that we were going to be able to sell to the general population. And in fact, we discovered that Our products had a very strong emotional connection with the communities that were immigrants from Mexico. So that gave us a little bit of a first foothold. And and the export business started growing, 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 growing. And then at some point in the early nineties, we started to explore uh, going internationally by going to Central and South America. So um, a a, a, a family that owned a bakery in uh, Chile, and another one in Guatemala. They made contact with Bimbo because Bimbo was very relevant in the, for those who knew baking industry in South America, they knew who Bimbo was they approached us with an interest in partnering or selling or joint venturing or whatever. And and, and then the company was very bold about placing bets uh, in in different countries. Again, I was very lucky to be the first uh, expat to buy Bimbo in Chile. Um, we acquired a small bakery there, and, and we uh, it was fascinating times because Chile had been also a very closed economy before, and it was beginning the boom was beginning to to become you know to integrate themselves into the into the global uh, into many global categories that weren't very strong very developed in Chile, so we were very successful in South America for the most part starting in Chile, Guatemala later came Venezuela. Uh, later Argentina and so forth. And we started growing mostly at first by, by sending people who knew the bimbo culture to manage those operations in Central and South America to train people in the sales disciplines or establish our methods of working and so forth. And I, I'm, not, I'm not gonna say that it was easy. There was probably 20 years of losses and, and hardship and, and frustration. But we stuck to the, uh, to the vision, and, and we started growing there uh, rapidly. By the, uh, On a parallel track, but in a different direction, in the mid-90s, uh, we started playing with uh, the idea of acquiring companies in the tortilla category in the U.S. And uh, that, didn't, well, that wasn't ex- extremely successful. But we finally had a breakthrough uh, acquisition of a baking company in Texas, uh, called Mrs. Berry's Bakeries, uh, which was a a more relevant uh, company. It was a a $300 million a year revenue company back then. And it was a very solid, very respected brand. And, And we bought that. And again, and this is really chance. I was the first president of Bimbo in the US back then. This is 1998. And um, and that was more challenging. I mean, getting the culture of Grupo Imbo into Central and South America was easier for us. There was no language barriers. There were there was so uh, somewhat of a shared uh, legacy, you know, Spanish America, if you will. So so we we it was a little a little easier. Not 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 entirely. I mean, it was not painless, but it was a little easier to 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 try to go with our culture and our philosophy into those countries. Entering the US was a little bit more challenging. And then from that acquisition of Ms. Bertz, we continued to grow through acquisitions. And today the US is our largest market. Um maybe, maybe your listeners will will not will know our brands, I would hope. Sarah Lee is our brand, Orwith is our brand, Entemans is our brand, um and, and many more. Um just just naming the, the, the big Arnold in the in the Northeast. Um, and so we, we started growing through acquisitions and today we have a very solid presence in the US. Uh, after the US came others, uh, eventually Bimbo Canada, which owned an operation in England, so that gave us a foothold in, in, in England. When we acquired Sarley in the US, that had a company that we had originally founded in Spain that ended up coming back to Bimbo. So, I mean, I'm probably this is getting into too many details, and and I don't know how much, how, how much, how that is relevant. But I I guess the, at the heart of the story is that everywhere we have gone, gone, we have gone with the, the philosophy that is based on respecting the person first and foremost, being highly productive, being, and focusing on, on, on our, the, the three pillars that I mentioned earlier. And so we try to go, we tell the, the acquired companies, we tell them about our culture, about our way of doing things. We bring them to Mexico so they can see what we do and what it is, what it is we offer. And, and for the most part, uh, people in companies where we have gone in through acquisition are always very excited to join Grupo BIN. Um Are there challenges to replicating the culture uh, elsewhere? For sure. We, we have, uh, our culture is grounded on building a sustainable highly productive deeply humane company. Those are the, that's the root, that's the philosophy. And then it is rounded with certain beliefs that we have, uh, which are also part of the, of, the, of the foundation of the culture we want to have. And everywhere we go, we have those as the core group of INBO culture. But we also understand that culture lives differently in different societies so the way we demonstrate certain things or we practice certain things in in mexico might be different from the way they happen in china or in or in england or in argentina and um, and that's but, but that's that's the fun and that's the challenge
2: so one a uh, couple of uh, beliefs that are articulated here are interesting uh uh we are sharp operators and then the other one that caught my eye is "We transcend and endure." Yes, if you could expand uh, right. on those two.
1: Yes, yeah, I can certainly go into those two. But let me let me let me tell you how the whole the release the how they read together because it's it's uh they're not they're they're, they're linked. They, they are actually a, co- a cohesive uh, idea, and the idea is that in of Bimbo, first and foremost, we believe in the value of the person. So that's the first belief. We believe in the value, intrinsic value of the dignity of the human person. We believe that as people, we form one community. So we want to be one company that is a community that is the same community everywhere we go. We are a community that gets results. So we're very committed to being results driven. That's where the highly productive part comes in. We get results through competing and winning. So we want to be very competitive. We want to be always aware that we need to earn our money. We need to earn our salary by pleasing the consumer. And that's what, it, what we mean by saying we compete and win. We, we compete and win through being sharp operators. That means we want to be very good at what we do. We, we want to be really world-class in everything we do. We want to be the best bakers in the world. And then we always act with integrity so that we, doing all these things, we can transcend and endure. And so to address the, the two ones, the, the two points that you asked me about, um, being, being sharp operators is really from the beginning. In the beginning, when the company started, it started again in Mexico in 1945, but it started with technology and, and science behind the design of the business that was ahead of its time. Uh, I mean, ahead of its time for Mexico. In Mexico, there wasn't, uh, uh, developed industrial uh, baking industry. And Grupo Bimbo, back then it was only Bimbo, it wasn't Grupo. Bimbo started that with that, with that uh, really with a higher standard of execution. Uh, and we've always been very proud about wanting to be very good, very sharp, very, you know, best practice. We embrace technology, we leverage technology. We have not stood, stood still, we reinvest in technology. And and the, and the other one that you asked me about about transcending and enduring, that's where it all comes together. We 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 don't. Yeah, this is one of the things that a company that has this type of ethical values and this type of philosophy. That's where it really makes a difference because other companies, especially large public companies, they are focused on 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 the results of the quarter or the year, and and we of course we are that too. We we care about the results of the quarter and the year but we look at the business in terms of generations. We look at the business in terms of what's going to happen within the next 25 years because we want the company to be around for many, many years to come. Um, And that's really ingrained in the company so that our leaders are always balancing short and long-term choices with the understanding that, and I'm going going to go back to one of the earlier points that I made, is that, of course, we want profits. But what we want profits is so we can do all the other things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so we, we see uh, profitability as the, the oxygen of the company. It's the, oh, profits are the oxygen of the business. But no one gets up in the morning and says, oh, today I'm going to breathe. You need to breathe in order to live, but you don't live to breathe. And that's, that's pretty much the mindset of that transcending and enduring uh, thing. And to transcend and endure, we need to stay ahead. If, if, if we start falling behind, the, the moment we start not being number one, we worry, because because then then that means that someone is catching up, and and, and we and we better you know step it up. I don't know if I was that was. Oh, too terrific! Long.
2: That's exactly. Um, and then I, I'm interested in your personal journey because you were in a variety of operating roles uh, in the company, and now you have uh, uh, for the last several years been in the role of people and talent. Mm-hmm. Uh and so that's becoming, I think, a more common pattern I sign in more conscious companies that you know it's not just HR as a as a traditional function, which is kind of compliance and and all mm-hmm. the rest of it, that it's elevated to a strategic mm-hmm. level. And therefore, people with real business experience running, and, and the term HR, of course, should be should be removed entirely. I agree. Uh, run, run the people operation, right? So if we can talk a little bit about that why why they asked you and why you chose to move into this kind of a role now having done what you did before
1: oh god that's a that's a wonderful question that's that's um, well first of all thanks for the question and that is perhaps one of the things that I'm most pleased about my 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 work is the fact that I get to do things that I'm passionate about and that is uh, I always I, I've always thought that work, should be something that helps people find fulfillment, satisfaction, uh, development, growth, happiness, in a word. And I, I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced that through work, people build their happiness. And so manage, being in the people side of the company is basically focused on making sure that, you know, the traditional role of HR is let get the resource, which I hate that word. We don't call them resources. Uh, this is a resource. This this mug is a resource. A person is not a resource. So, but traditional the traditional approach to HR is that the role of HR is to provide resources, people, to do the work that the business needs, so that it can turn a profit. And we've never looked at it that way. The way we look at it is that the company is for the people. The person is at the center. Therefore, the role of people in Grupo Bimbo, my role is to make sure that, yes, we have the right talent, the right skill set, the right competencies necessary to do the work so that the people can develop and build their own happiness and growth. And so that's the focus of, of the people functioning Group of Inbox. Yes, we're very competitive. Yes, underperformance is not tolerated. We're not paternalistic. But we are a company where we try to foster people's development. Uh, how? Well, through hard work to through, through hard work, really. We're we're very demanding. It, we work, you know, we work really, really intensely here. Uh, but we we see the end as the, the person is the end, not the instrument, not the means. And that really changes everything, that turns everything around. So no, of course, uh, of course I'm super happy to 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 work on this side of the business. And I guess, yes, having been in sales and marketing and a general manager in different countries has helped me contribute a, a, a perspective that probably traditionally grown professionals from the traditional quote-unquote human resource practice probably don't have. So so I hope that answers your question. I, I uh...
2: Yeah, and I think absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you see that pattern now in conscious companies, the, the partnership between the CEO and the chief people officer is critical to creating and then sustaining a, a highly conscious culture. Go ahead,
0: Timothy. Yeah, well, I also think of playing off of that. I mean, traditionally, the CEOs had a very close relationship with the CFO, and that those two have usually been the, the drivers of the business. So I love the fact, Juan, that as we start talking, you're sort of bringing your role in the people function right up there to the front of the line and sort of saying, listen, it, it's it's got to be this triangulation we need to have somebody who can bring the voice of business experience and the people voice together because that builds credibility for the people function because a lot of people functions they have people who've been in hr all of their lives and they're at some level very credible in a very specific area but on the general business they just don't have that breadth of experience and that you know, then they cop against the CFO in a discussion and, you know, it, it's not a fair fight. So I, I love that fact that, that, you know, you're bringing this credible business experience to the table.
1: I, I think it has helped. But but let me tell you, let me qualify that a little bit. In fact, what, what makes it work is is the fact that the, 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 the philosophy and the culture, the beliefs that I described earlier, they're not posters on the wall. They, they are. We expect to walk the talk, to really live them, to really demonstrate them through behaviors, to to really be observing uh, in all of our behaviors that we are being congruent. And, and we're, you know, we're very blessed. I, I didn't say this earlier, but I think this is something worth mentioning. When, when you have, when you have the the privilege of being a company that is a public company that is this large, has been around for so long and has only had three CEOs, mm. I mean, that's quite special. And, and by the way, the current CEO is the nephew of the previous CEO and the son of the first CEO. Mm. So so there's, there, there's and that's a privilege we have and we try to leverage that because we have that continuity and that commitment that the, the ideas, the, the the foundational ideas that the founder of the company had back in 1945, have grown, have evolved, have improved, but they're there, and and they're there because there has been that uh, commitment from the CEO to carry on with this conscious uh, attitude, conscious understanding of the business, and and for us, being conscious is about being very aware of the role we play as not just a money-making entity. Uh, you see, the the part of the consciousness in of Bimbo has been. Always explained within the company in in this 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 idea that I'm going to try to explain. Every business has economic and social objectives that are fairly clear. What what do, what do people expect from us in the economic realm externally? Well, excuse me, economic. I said economic. Yeah, the economic objectives of every company are fairly clear. Every everybody expects from Lubovinbo that we do good bank. Uh, products, bread and pastries and cookies, that's what people expect from us. That's our economic contribution to the marketplace and that we deliver them at a fair price and that they're with good quality, that they're healthy, that they're nutritious, that they're tasty. That's what people expect as the economic output of our company. And internally, we need to provide profits for our investors, dividends, dividends for our investors, interest for our creditors, salaries for our associates. But if you only work on that dimension, the economic dimension, you can certainly thrive and be very successful, but what about the other part of the, the consciousness of what's our impact on the people, on the society, the community, and ultimately the planet, the world? And so a mm. Group of You has been very special for many, many years, is that it has been literally very conscious of those other dimensions of the business. Whereas most, uh, and it's not a bad thing, by the way, I, I I I think that people set out to 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 do business first and foremost because they they see a need, they see an opportunity, and they want to make money, and that's probably the, that's okay, that's great. I'm happy with capitalism the way it is. But were you evolving to becoming more aware of other things other than just the economic dimension, and you start to include? The human, the social dimension into the equation, then that's when the whole thing gets. Uh, I believe it becomes more more valuable and more. It contributes a, a force of good in the world instead of just being a another money making entity.
0: So I, I love that description, and um, and I and I think for a lot of our listeners, what they would love to hear a little bit is the. You talked about the long term focus, and yet you know to grow this large takes a lot of capital and so you have to access capital markets you need to access the capital to fund some of this tell us a little bit about that tension between what the capital markets are demanding from you and balancing that with this long-term next generation Mm -hmm. set of ideas and how do you manage that tension
1: the, the, that's that's a great question. The 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 company has had again almost seventy-seven years of continuous reinvestment of of free cash flow. Mm. We've reinvested roughly eighty percent of free cash flow every year for seventy-seven years. So thankfully, we mm. have been very solvent. <laughs>
0: mm.
1: We we have, we have been. Um, and why 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 is that important? Because our shareholders are also very. They believe in the business, so mm-hmm. so our shareholders continue to see that this business is well run. It's well managed. It stands for good things. It has good values. Uh, it's a solid uh, uh, solid business. Solid philosophy, and it's a, it, it's it's not a specul. Uh, what are you, what's the word in English? Um, Speculative, it's a yeah, speculative. Yeah,
0: speculator.
1: Thank yeah. you. <laughs> it's it's we're, we're, but but it is it is a it is a, a a solid bet, and our shareholders thankfully continue to believe that, and uh, and we're of course committed to continuing to deliver. So financially, the company has always been very conservative about about leveraging. The the sometimes when we embark upon an acquisition, we have reached like relatively high levels of, of indebtedness. But for the most part, the company is very conservative about its about its, um, its um, leverage. Now, we, we are public. We're publicly traded. And we hold ourselves accountable to the standards of transparency, reporting, GRI, uh, all those uh, evaluators that, that scrutinize companies to see whether they are you know making whether they're ethical and 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 sustainable and uh, practice diversity and inclusion and all those things that we get measured on we do hold ourselves accountable to international standards and i believe and i this is where i i go on the people side and not on the finance side uh, um but i our cfo was my friend tells me that we're okay <laughs> so so, um, I, I, no, I I I believe we're, we're on solid ground there. Um,
2: I don't know. And, and this is, uh, I take it, not a company where there's much talk about buying back your own shares in the, uh, in the board discussions, right? Because you're investing for growth. And, you know, as you know, there's a massive trend has been in the last 15, 20 years in the U.S. Companies spending almost 100% of their profits. Back into buybacks and dividends.
1: Yeah, we we thankfully we have we continue to find opportunities to continue to grow the business, and I, I think that as long as that as long as that is the case, we're going to we're going to keep doing it. I I, I think what, well another and to go back to the people function, one of the more uh, fulfilling challenges that that I deal with, or the the more you know, the the greater satis- satisfaction that I drive that I draw from my work is that it's a school of leadership. We, we, mm-hmm. we are mm-hmm. constantly building the talent to, to make sure that we continue to have people to go out and, and do more in more places. Uh, and, and so we we do have a very strong development agenda, you know, human development agenda of, of training and, and building careers and building experiences. Um, and I, I believe that there's a, and there's of course a lot to be a lot to be done on many fronts but that is perhaps one of the strengths of the company is its ability to because of this very very solid culture aspiration of wanting to be building a sustainable highly productive deeply humane company because that that's something that everybody understands that really helps us it's it's one of those like like a flywheel effect, where one thing helps the other, and then the mm-hmm. development of
0: people and careers uh,
1: is, is is actually great in a company that is always looking for growth.
0: Yeah, well, I, I love the part that um, not only that culture, but you know, I was looking at your your quarterly report <laughs> a while ago, and in a very very challenging business environment where the price of your core products are skyrocketing and everything else. You grew 20% last quarter. I mean, and you improved profitability by 15%. I mean, that, you know, that sounds astounding that in a, in a really tough business environment, that that profitability was able to be maintained at that kind of growth level is... Um, you know, we talk about a flywheel. I mean, I want the I want our listeners to understand. You know, this is an outstanding company. This is a company that isn't only the largest bakery, but just your financial performance is outstanding. It's amazing.
1: Uh, well, uh, th- thank you for pointing that out. That that that's the outcome of everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not again. It's not the it's not the objective, but it's nice when it happens. Because what 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 you see there is that we have been very blessed and very committed to the to the core mission of the company and what we want to do. So I'll give you an example to that point during the pandemic, especially during the the, the, the heavy part of the pandemic in the early in early 2020, where the world was uh, in crisis. Uh, our people were heroic. I mean, we we were so blessed to have the ability to continue to to bake and to serve the customers and to put product on the shelves of, of the grocery stores. And and that was really a tribute to the leadership and the culture of the company. So our, our that's that's one of those instances where it really is moving. You know, it's it, it, I, I even I, I get emotional because it's that's
2: when you see everything pay off. Mm, that's beautiful one. Uh so as we wind down here, you know, I want to zoom out a little bit. As you know, we're part of the Conscious Capitalism Movement. We're both founders of that. And now I've taken on this role in Mexico with the Conscious Enterprise Center that we've created uh, at Tech. And our vision uh, is really that uh, this way of being that Grupo Bimbo so beautifully uh, uh, models, that that become the default way of being for business. And and I think we started in Mexico. We're, of course, doing that all over the world with our chapters and uh, in the U.S., But I believe Mexico to me is a unique context. I think it's possible for us to do that in a systematic way in Mexico, make it the default ways. I wanted to get your thoughts about the challenges and opportunities of the Mexican context and whether we think that uh, we can bring this philosophy because I assume you don't just view this as a source of competitive advantage for BIMBO, but actually, you would love for all companies and in all industries to start yes. operating this way. Oh yes, to create oh, yes. the world we all want.
1: Oh yes. No, in fact, in fact, uh, in fact uh, one of the attributes of of the late uh, Don Lorenzo was that he was always very generous about sharing his uh, his approach, his philosophy. Um, and I and I, I we're more than happy to 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 we're happy when other companies. Get some inspiration from the way we approach uh, the, with the, you know, the enterprise. Uh, the, being an entrepreneur, and and so yeah, it's of course we would love to see more of these in Mexico. Mexico has many opportunities. Mexico is really Mexico should be booming. It's going to be booming. It's um, we have a demographic advantage. We have a young population. We that's not going to last forever, but it's going to be there for some years now. We are the neighbors to the largest market in the world and with the global trends towards near shoring that should present plenty of opportunities for for companies to to set up uh, and they are by the way there's there's a scarcity of uh, industrial uh, real estate because because companies are are building we're moving they're finding opportunities to export into north america uh, and i think that's going to that's going to raise the tide that's going to be Good for the entire uh, country, and, and Mexico's challenges continue to be inequality and, uh, and geographically, uh, uh, some of the more inaccessible regions are still struggling, and they are not living, not being integrated into mm-hmm. into this expansion of the trade or the industry that that some parts of the country are. Uh, but it's exciting; it's a, it's an exciting time for Mexico. I I do hope that the uh, uh, that the society is conscious about the challenges we have. Uh, we, for instance, we are pioneering the uh, renewable energy uh, use of renewable energy in in Group of inbo is a big priority for us, <clears throat> and um, and we're very committed to to, for instance, to that. Um, and I think that, that the country is, uh, is is full of opportunity, uh, and and because of the again, the demographic boom, lots of young people entering the workforce. Um, one of the opportunities we have, for instance, is we would really benefit if, if there were a higher priority uh, on, on, on uh, bilingual education, especially regarding STEM uh, education, incorporating more people in, because that's one thing where, where we may be lagging and where we need to catch up. Um, but other than that, I, I I really think that there's a lot of Lot of opportunity for for Mexico
2: going forward. Yes, and we're we're teaching conscious capitalism to our students in a big way. We've got a hundred professors now uh, that are teaching this, and across our twenty five campuses. So, I, and and we're working with other universities as well to to bring this business mindset uh, as the default mindset for people who are starting their careers. You know, so I think that we look forward to working with you uh, and with the company. Uh, in in making that vision a reality
1: i, I do we do too. Uh, we, we are we, we've sponsored programs of uh, of leadership development uh, in Teremontery. De we we support uh, with some scholarships uh, outstanding students in Tec de Monterrey. and uh, it's a great institution. We have a lot of respect for it and 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 really thank you for the opportunity to share with you. Uh, a little bit of the of the history and the, and the philosophy and the culture of Grupo Bimbo.
0: Thank well, Juan Muldoon, Chief People Officer of Grupo Bimbo, the $20 billion best-kept secret in the baking industry for the rest of the world. Wonderful, wonderful to hear the story and very inspiring. Thanks so much for your time today.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you, Tim. And by the way, I'd like to wrap up by perhaps addressing one of your earlier points is that uh, you're right we probably weren't as conscious before as we are now about being conscious we are very happy to see the conscious movement uh, take off it's going to be good for the world it's going to be it's it's i hope that every entrepreneur who's thinking about putting up a start a startup in their garage or or setting up shop in the backyard by doing whatever i hope that they they go into business not for business but rather to build enterprise to build to build culture to 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 be forces of good in the world and and i believe that that
0: movement is going to be something that uh, gives me a lot of hope uh for humanity so well thank you this is part of the inspiration for those that are going on that journey and thank you to our listeners. If you've enjoyed today's podcast on whatever channel you're listening to, feel free to hit the subscribe button. And if you'd like to leave a message for Raj and I, you can go over to iTunes on Apple and the Apple podcast and leave us a note and a rating there. And thanks to Tech Sounds of Tech of Monterey for being our producer today. And Raj, any thank yous on your side?
2: Well, thanks as always to Technological de Monterey, where I'm Honored to be a a faculty member, as well as our Conscious Enterprise Center, which has the vision of creating a world in which all businesses operate uh, in this way.
0: And thank you, Juan. Very, very wonderful to hear the story today. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Honored. Honored to be a guest.